Let's take some time for the Word of God. Uh, it just so happened that uh, last Sunday I uh, gave you a war cry. Anybody remember it? Anybody remember it? Be strong and courageous, right? Uh, rock, Kasaks, Amats. Okay, come on, say it. Rock, Kasaks, Amats. Sounds like rock your socks off, all right? So, uh, rock, Kasaks, Amats. It's, it's Hebrew. And uh, what we're saying is uh, to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Little did we know the battle that we would face this week. And uh, before the events of this week had occurred, I'd also determined that I was going to preach on this Sunday, uh, conquering discouragement. Uh, So um, we're entering uh, into a series called More Than Conquerors. We're just going to talk about that for a while out of Romans chapter 8 and all these things. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Somebody, come on, say it. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I want to give you some more context for this because you now, because of this week, have context for this. You did not have it before then because what Paul is teaching them is he's talking about the things that have happened. Uh, remember all the teaching on love? You know, how many know the greatest is love? You just keep loving. Just come on, just keep loving. Don't let anybody steal uh, your ability to love one another. But he talks about scourgings, he talks about beatings, he talks about death, he talks about massive destruction. Now, you understand that uh, one of the Roman emperor's favorite things to do was to kill Christians. You get that, right? To imprison them, to beat them. I'm talking about. Our ancestors, people who believe in Jesus, our, our, our spiritual mothers and fathers. So there is massive death that's going on. Can you imagine people scratching their head at a time like that and saying, God, what is going on right now? How could you love us and still let things like this happen? But we've read Hebrews chapter 11, haven't we? We know that uh, God is glorified. We go through some stuff and we don't stop loving Jesus, right? Have I got amens in the room? So, so what he's saying is then he gets to this and he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can. And he gives a description of those things that we believe separate us from his love. And so what, what does that mean? Even when bad things are happening, it does not mean that God doesn't love us. You understand that? That God is a God of love. This world is a broken place. Has anybody figured that out yet? How many know the world is broken? Anybody know that? The world is broken. There is great evil in this world. And sometimes we think, no, we're already in paradise. No, you are not in heaven yet. All right? And because you are a believer, some of you will be persecuted. All right? We are moving. We uh, sat sat with uh, some of the elders this past week, and we were praying and talking about the culture, talking about the world that we're living in. And we needed to, and we, we were saying, we were sitting on Wednesday and praying, and we were saying, like never before, we feel the need to pray for our nation. Amen. Am I right? Amen. Like never before, I feel the need to pray for our nation. Our nation is so broken. Our culture is so broken. In fact, we are at the point now that as a church, sometimes we are just sitting aside quietly, just hoping that they won't notice that we actually believe in Jesus. And that we actually believe the word of God. Am I right about this? We're just kind of quiet, kind of restrained about it. And uh, that, that's because 
Uh, we love people, am I right? We love people. We love them deeply. We love people personally. We love you. Look at somebody and tell them, we love you. Tell them we love you. Come on. In fact, you can say, I love you. I love you. Come on. I love you. And listen, we know some of the things that you have done and some of your brokenness, and we still love you. Come on. Some of you have talked about one another. We still love you. We still love you. And not me, Pastor. Yeah, I know about it. They come and told me. Okay, anyway. Listen, some of you are currently living in ways that you should not be living. And we still love you. All right? We still love you. Some of you have been disobedient, still love you. You got that? Some of you have lied, still love you. Still love you. We want you to get better. Right? We want you to glorify God in your life. So if, if you're living in a situation that's outside of God's plan, you know, no matter what it is, you know, we want you to know. And, and some would struggle. You say, really? Because in our culture right now, we believe that it doesn't matter how you live or what you do. Jesus died. I actually heard somebody say, you know, Jesus died for your sins, right? So that means your sins are never counted against you. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. If you, de- if you repent and declare Jesus as your Lord, that means you put him in charge of your life. See, we think, it don't matter, Jesus died, Jesus loves me, this I know. He loves you. That's why sometimes what we're doing makes him weep, right? Come on, moms, anybody know what I'm saying? So we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So in, in this culture right now, we want people to be absolutely set free. And we need to stand up. Come on. Some of what's going on in our society right now makes us want to hide. Don't hide. Stand up. Somebody shout, stand up. Stand up. Be a Christian right now. Come on. Because what you do and what you say is impacting the world that's around you. People are being set free from by, by your words or they are living in bondage because of our lack of words. Because we are the light, right? We are the light in this world. Somebody shout, yes. So... Uh, I want us to know that we're more than conquerors. And I want you to understand that God wants to do more in our lives now than we have ever seen him do before. Uh, There's a principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's the glory to glory concept, all right? The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces... That means the glory of God is supposed to be revealed through us. We with unveiled faces beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So when you look at yourself, you should see God glorified. What? What do you see when you look at yourself? What do you see? And then he says, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're going from level to level. We are being, we're going from glory. Does anybody believe this? From glory to glory. What do you see when you see yourself? What do you see? How many believe that we should see the glory of God in our life? And and it should be getting better. We We are called to position ourselves in order to, to, to glorify the Lord. You see, God does things in our lives that we are not always aware of. All right? But also God wants to do some things in our lives, 
and he wants to involve us in those things. Do you see? Unless we cooperate and participate, there are some things that are just not going to happen in our lives. Right? You say, you know, well, God's changing me. God's doing stuff. Are you participating in that change? Are you saying, come on, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do in my life? We are called to position ourselves to take hold of what God wants to do. Last week, we began this teaching in Joshua chapter 15 and, uh, re- regarding being strong and courageous. And we discovered the rock, Kasaksamats, the battle cry. So come on, somebody shout, be strong and courageous. Shout it. Be strong and courageous. Come on, shout it. Be strong and courageous. And we decided that strength was the sound of strength. It's the spiritually zealous heart. And the amats, which we're going to talk about more today, is an unwavering and unyielding confidence before the field is ever taken. Before you see victory in your life, I'm going to go ahead and be confident. How many know God is greater? Do you know that? So this is... Uh, This is Joshua's teaching from last Sunday, Joshua 1 and 9. Have I not commanded you? This is what the Lord says. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 uh, resounds that same statement where he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So be courageous. Don't walk in fear. The Lord is with you. So these Old Testament stories of uh, Joshua and the other stories are given to us to remind us how the Lord works. In Romans chapter 15, the, the Bible says, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So we know that the Holy Spirit is with us, right? We know that God is doing a good work. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Somebody ought to jump up and do one of those. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Pentecost Sunday. Anybody love Pentecost Sunday? It is, how many love birthdays? Anybody love that? It is the birthday of the church when the Lord lit everybody on fire. There were 120 candles on the cake that particular day. Because we are the cake and he lit us on fire. So... Uh, Next Sunday, we want to celebrate more of what God can do. But God has always been doing doing great works. But in the Old Testament, in Romans 15, we find that the Scripture says, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. In other words, they are written down for you to understand, oh, this is how God works. This is how he works in the lives of people, in real situations, in real time, so you will see and know how God is working. God promises the people of Israel their homeland, the promised land, but although God had promised it to them, unless the people have strength and courage, they will continue to walk in the wilderness. Do you understand this? So God has promised. How many know God has made promises? So some of you say, well, you know, God has made promises, but what we're finding in the Old Testament, he has made promises, but unless you acquire them, unless you take some steps, unless you get up off your blessed assurance and do something about it, 
then you're going to sit in your brokenness for the rest of your life. In the Old Testament, there are seven nations larger and stronger than Israel that have occupied a land that God says, this land belongs to my people. And God is going to give it to them, but they're going to have to defy all of their reality. And just like this, God wants us to, God wants to take us out of the power of sin and the chains of fear. And he wants to position our hearts relative to the purpose and the plans of God. Remember, God speaks this message over and over. It's in Deuteronomy 31. The Lord commanded Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, and said, be strong and courageous. And the Lord says it not once, not twice, but over and over. He's saying, if you and I are going to conquer and move into a new season, it's not just dependent upon him. It's dependent upon our response to him. I don't know if anybody believes that. It's dependent upon our response to him. How are you responding to God? What are you doing? This becomes personal. It's not just uh, on the physical battleground, but on the personal battleground. Not only will you be victorious, but others will remain in the wilderness. If he doesn't, if, if Joshua doesn't become strong and courageous, there are others who will not experience the blessing of God that he wants them to have. That's what Joshua 1 and 6 is saying. For you shall cause the people... You shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore their fathers to give them. You shall cause. Look at me. I, I got to say something to you. You are going to cause something. Amen. You are causing something. You say, no, everybody's response. No, no. You are causing something. How many know somebody has been causative in your life? Some of you have been hurt. Come on, wave at me. You've been wounded. You've been broken. You've been abused. Come on, you have lived with heart wounds and, and inner vows, uh, emotional brokenness because of what somebody else did. It's time for you to come out of that wilderness. It's time. It's time. Because if I don't get strong and courageous, if I don't have a battle cry, then I'm just going to perpetuate that same wilderness to the next generation. Come on, honey. I am not planning on passing down my mess to the next generation. If I'm not strong and courageous as a husband, it's going to affect my wife. Come on. If, if Come on, mamas, got any mamas and daddies in here? All of you are. Come on, because we got spiritual children all over this house. Come on, your children, your family, your extended family. As a pastor, as a leader, i got to stand up because you have to rise up. We need leaders in this church to rise up and say, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be a leader. We're not, come on, we're, we're not just talking luxuries here. We're talking necessities. We're not saying... Come on, please. You know, it's just a better way to live. No, I'm saying you've got to rise up. You've got to stand up. You've got to look at the brokenness and say, you're not going to own my life. You've got to tell the devil, get under my feet. Get behind me. And the payoff is massive to Joshua. You will have good success wherever you go. You will have success where? Wherever. Wherever you 
go. I like it. Joshua 1.17. I love it. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, but I am frightened. He says, don't be it. Don't live it. Don't allow fear to define you. Yeah, I feel some quivering going on. I don't like what I see up there. But he says, overcome it. Take charge of it. For the Lord your God is with you. So here's a practical issue. And this, this is just a, what I'm seeing personally when I see this. Joshua's seen all kinds of miracles. He followed Moses across the Red Sea. He saw manna on the ground. He saw the fire of God, the pillar of God. He's, come on, anybody know what I'm saying? He saw the Shekinah glory of God. He was there when they built the tabernacle. He was there when Moses came down with the law. He's seen all kinds of miracles. He's seen how that the enemy was defeated while Moses was up on the mountain with his hands lifted up. And Aaron and Hur came and held his hands up. They've seen mighty moves of God over and over and over again. And here's what I'm saying. Even though Joshua has seen the hand of God, he's also seen 40 years of discouragement. How many know that can wear on you? Year after year after year of discouragement. One funeral right after another. I mean, they got a million people that die. And uh, it, I mean, it's, it's just all of this. He's seen the discouragement. And what God is saying, he's speaking to a man who is a leader who has lived year after year after year in brokenness and discouragement. And he's got to go and talk to this man because he's saying, even as I was with Moses, now I'm going to be with you. Only you're going to have to be strong and courageous. You got to be strong and courageous. And he says it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Are you going to step up and be what happens next? Or are you just going to build a monument to what has happened in the past? We talked about strength last Sunday. So here's the question. Uh, will you walk in courage or not? So today, for the next few minutes, I just want to give you some thoughts on conquering discouragement. Conquering discouragement. How many have ever felt prone to discouragement? Okay, let me, let me ask. How many have allergies? All right. And you know at certain seasons of your life, you're just going to sneeze. You know, it's sneezing season. All right, sneezing season. So what are you going to do about that? Just not go outside? You know it's a season, but you're not going to let somebody say, Allegra D. All right, so... Band a drill. I don't know. I don't know what you do. I don't know what everybody does. But here's the deal. You can't just stay in the house for the rest of your life. Come on. Sometimes your eyes are filled with tears. And you keep, you keep walking. You say, I, I got allergies. I can't feed my babies today. Really? What's wrong with you, allergies? You can't. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying you can overcome. That's what I'm saying. I had a, a, a season in my life. Uh, I had a season of discouragement. How many have ever had a season of discouragement that lasted too long? Anybody ever had one of those? So, but the Lord took me back to it and reminded me of something that had happened. And I, Diane and I talked about it this week because he just, the Lord will take you back and remind you of things. Anybody know that? He'll remind you. He took me back to the music that I was listening to at a particular time that I loved. And uh, I was enjoying. I don't know if anybody remembers Paul Wilbur. Anybody remember Paul Wilbur? 
So uh, Paul Wilbur, just, some, just, just let's get in the presence of God, you know. Uh, show me your face, Lord, show me your face. You know, just great, and some great warfare music. Uh, back in the uh, Hosanna music days. Anybody remember those days? All right, integrity music, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, but uh, I was listening to that, and when the struggle came into my life, I remember one of the things that I did is I took that worship music capsule and I put it aside because it reminded me of what I was going through at that particular season. Okay, don't look at me like you don't like me anymore, but it's the truth, all right? And the Lord took me back to that. Here's, listen, uh, so what I had to do is I had to go back and reclaim the message and the worship of that particular time because really what it was is I was about to go to warfare and the enemy did not want that to happen. He wanted to shut me up. Anybody been there before where you just got in a situation where you just couldn't talk anymore? Where are you? Where are you? You just, you just couldn't. In fact, worship. He said, I'd come to church, but I don't want to, they all, you know, the praise team up there praising God and all that. And I just don't feel like it right now, you know? So uh, I, I, I just, just when, you, when you look at this, discouragement is one of the enemy's favorite weapons for stopping God's people. And I'm going to, I'm going to suggest, this, suggest this revelation regarding Joshua. Somebody shout, Amatz. Because what discouragement does is it causes you to lose your alertness to the things of God. It causes you to stop listening. Because really the word Amatz, or uh, to be courageous, is to be alert physically, mentally, to be brave, bold, solid, and firm. Uh, in, in English, we use the word courage, and it means uh, more heart is where it comes from, the Anglo word more heart. A person who is wholehearted, who is all dialed in. Like some of you might be dialed into what I'm saying right now. Some of you ain't dialed in at all because you're just waiting for the sermon to be over, all right? And you've got other things that you're doing right now and, and other places you're thinking about going and other things you want to do. And you're, you know, you're thinking, I'm going to have dinner. What time is he going to finish? What time is it right now? Is, is he going to make me wait? What? And you got, come on, you've got to drop everything else and listen to the Word of God. How many know your discouragement will cause you not to be able to focus? Because somebody hurt your feelings. You don't, like, you don't like my shirt? I like this shirt, all right? I decided I'm going to dress a tropical shirt today. Virginia beats strong, baby. All right. And uh, if we're going to have the heart of a conqueror, we need more heart. So here's what we do. Number one, set your mind on God in every situation. Set your mind on God. Say it. Set your mind on God in, in what situation? In every situation. The Lord says to Joshua, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, I love David. Anybody else love David? Uh, the Psalms just build me up. I, I love Davidic worship. Uh, psalm chapter 16. I want us to look there. Here's a psalm of David where he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Amen. So I was, uh, uh, I gave you that example of my own brokenness and discouragement. I think part of what happened was uh, Shea Wilbur moved to L.A. Uh, a few years ago. Some of you might know Shea Wilbur. Shea Wilbur is Paul Wilbur's daughter-in-law. And uh, the reason I know she moved there is because during a, when she was transitioning, I think from Jacksonville, 
She, she was an American Idol with Felicia back in 2008, so Felicia knew her. They were needing a place. They, they just came. They stayed with Lauren Felicia Malachi for a little while while she got her feet on the ground. Now you can watch her on like extra and things like that. She's like a regular host. She's constantly showing up there. But uh, Shay uh, just wrote a song and, and put it out with Danny Gokey called Unmovable. Uh, and I picked up the song. Uh, first of uh, early last week, she had put her on her Instagram, my new song, Unmovable. And I thought, Lord Jesus, you, got, you guys have to download it yourself. Because I've always looked at the concept of unmovable as religiosity. Do you see what I'm saying? It's religious people who you just can't get to do anything. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not, you know. <laughs> Just like a tree. And, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's a biblical principle, but we've got it all messed up. Here's, here's the concept. He's saying, here's what David is saying. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. What he's saying is God will always be before me. I've got my eyes fixed on the Lord. All right? No, now, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on the Lord. Now, if you know... David chose to see God in everything because the enemy wants you to have a godless mindset. He wants you to see the giants and the mountains and the problems and the lions and the tigers and bears. Oh my. So Goliath, everyone was afraid of Goliath. And David is a boy. And so, anybody remember the story? David runs into the battle and he yells at Goliath. And he says, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You get that? Yeah. He did not say, wow, you're really big. I mean, a sword and a all he could see was it doesn't matter how big you are because I've already got my eyes on somebody that's bigger than you. And he is standing with me. David saw God in everything. Look again at this word in Joshua 1 and 17. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. The word of God uh, is, uh, the word of God is also this. God has said... I will never leave you or forsake you. So the Lord is with me. Don't mess with me. I said the Lord is with me. Come on, anybody, is the Lord with you? The Lord is with me. You said, well, some bad things have happened. I know, but God is still with me. What can man do? Well, they can do all kinds of things. They can hurt you. They can beat you. They can, yeah, but God is not going to leave me. I'm not victorious because of my bank account. Come on. I'm not just victorious because of my health. I'm victorious because God will never leave me or forsake me. The difference is whether or not you acknowledge him. If, if we don't see God in circumstances, we will be absolutely overwhelmed emotionally. And, and look at uh, Psalm chapter 59. Look uh, back in Psalm 59. Uh, anybody ever read this? It says, uh, deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men. This is a psalm of worship, okay? So this is during the time that Saul had sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. And David is, is saying, look, they lie in wait for me. The mighty gather against me, not for my transgression nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves through no fault of mine. Awake, 
to help me and behold. And look at verse 9. I will wait for you, O God, my strength, for God is my defense. My God of mercy shall come to meet me. God shall deliver me from my enemies. Come on. God shall. Come on. Somebody sing it. God shall deliver me from my enemies. See, David would not allow the surrounding force to take his focus off of heaven. Here's what happens when you set your mind on God. Here's a few things that happen. One, you get instant encouragement. Come on, instant. Anybody like instant? You see a big God and a little devil. Right? Come on, set your mind on God. And then you feed your faith and you starve your fears. Reading. Anybody read the Word of God? Anybody do that? Anybody worship? Come on, how about just walking upright before God? Does that ever feel good to anybody? Does it just feel good to walk upright before the Lord? And when you do that sort of thing, fears are starved. You know, uh, we've watched that uh, TV show called Survivor. Anybody ever seen that? It's interesting. After a few weeks, they just look all messed up. They look just as, you know, just like they've lost 20, 30 pounds, and they're eating rice and starving themselves. Uh, let, let me tell you something. Uh, no matter what's going on in your life, Uh, When you focus on the Lord, your fear is going to become thin. Your fear is going to lose. You hear what I'm saying? Your fear is going to lose its ability to fight against you. Sometimes our faith is starved because we go through bad things and we stop looking at God and our faith is starved. Our fellowship is starved. We starve ourselves from worship. I just can't come and sing anymore. I just, I just I don't feel like singing. Get yourself in the house of God. Turn some worship music on. Open the word of the living God and feed your faith because when you feed your faith, you starve your fear. And the way you talk is changed. Am I right? Come on, the way you talk. How many have ever sang the blues? Mm, I got the blues. Anybody ever had the blues before? Here's what I, I'm, Why do they call it the blues? The blues is a good thing. My wife has blue fingernail polish right now. Okay, just light blue. It's real pretty. She got her nails done the other day. She came home and said, look at my fingernails. That's so pretty. And I said, it's always so pretty, baby. She walked down the backyard. I'm sitting there. I look up, and there's a blue sky. Did you notice there was a blue sky? Anybody notice the sky gets blue? I know you get clouds, but how many know the clouds come, and they water your ground, so your flowers grow, and then the sky comes out? Come on. Anybody got the blues? Come on. Nobody has the blues? I mean, I think we ought to change the blues to something good, you know? I got a house in the suburbs. Got a beautiful wife. I got children that love me. God has blessed my life. I got the blues. I got the God has been so good to me blues. And life's a jubilation. It's a celebration. There's no place I'm going that God ain't going to. I got the blues. God has been so good to me blues. I messed y'all up just now, didn't I? We got to stop singing. Come on, hee haw. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Man, my life is a mess. Come on, take a deep breath today. Change your focus to the word and to worship. Come on. I got to talk about the goodness of the Lord. Listen, I'm just saying, 
The devil has so succeeded in stealing the message and joy and the power of God. I'm not saying live in denial. I'm saying don't deny the power and the presence of God. We used to sing, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And fourthly, when you set your mind on God, you become an encourager to others. Come on, David was the most inspirational king in history. And that Psalm 59 was written in a situation uh, in, in, in Samuel, you can read about it, where uh, David's family had been taken hostage. Anybody remember the story of Ziklag? So David had, had disappeared. He had started hanging out with the Philistines. Philistines knew they couldn't trust him because he was anointed of God. They kicked him out. And then he goes and he's fighting another battle. He gets back and Ziklag has uh, been destroyed where he is staying. And all of, the, all of his family has been taken. And then, uh, now this is one chapter. I mean, if you look in the word of God, he's anointed the king. Some people think that just because you're anointed the king, nothing bad ever happens, okay? But Psalm 59 shows us that after Ziklag, he rises up and he goes to battle. And three chapters later, David is anointed the king of Judah. Somebody praise God. So, so David, in, in the anointing of David, what we find out is David in Psalm 59 just becomes an encourager. He says, let me tell you what God has brought me through. Let me tell you what God has done. If it had not been for God, I, I wouldn't be here, but I serve a big God. Somebody needs to testify on occasion. Am I right? When I'm having you hugging and blessing each other, you need to tell somebody how good God is. So when you focus on God, it causes you to be an encourager to others. Look at those four things one more time. Just look at those, those items. Instant encouragement feeds our faith and starves our fears. The way you talk is changed. And finally, it causes you to be an encourager. So, so, so here's the thing. Let me just say a couple more things. Don't be surprised by the battle. Joshua 6, or John 16, 33 says this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have what? Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I really believe, you know, I, I, when I was wrestling in middle school, I really believe that was a supernatural time for me. I believe the Lord used that particular season of my life to bring healing for me because I had had abuse in my life as a boy. And then as I got just a little bit older, uh, I was in uh, middle school, I decided I'd be a wrestler. Now, why, is that, why was that important? I'll tell you why it was important to me. Because the enemy wants to tell you that you are nothing. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, who else has wrestled beside me in school? Anybody ever wrestled besides me in school? Okay, so... Does anybody know about the pre-match butterflies? Just before you go out on the match and see somebody that you have never wrestled before and you don't know exactly what's going to happen, you know what you have to do? In order to wrestle, you have to deny the fear that's inside of you and walk out on the mat and look at somebody that intends to beat you. And I remember in my eighth grade year, uh, I, I won a city championship in my eighth grade year and, uh, in, in Ohio. And in that year, there were three wrestlers in that tournament, three of us that had been had undefeated seasons. And one of them walked up to me before the match. We were weighing in just before the, before the, the meet. And he looked over at me. He said, I hear you're undefeated. And I said, yeah, yeah. He said, shame I have to destroy you today. I pinned that boy in 20 seconds. 
And that move to this day is my favorite pinning move. I'll have kids run up to me. Preston knows what I'm talking about. And one of the kids, we'll be at wrestling practice. One of the kids will run up to me, and they're going to want to try to take the old man on. And I say, Preston yells from the other side of the It's going to hurt. <laughs> and it does. And I've had them look at me like, why did you do that to me? And it's because I'm a wrestler. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm saying. Anybody wrestlers in the house? Come on, I ought to get some more hands right now. And because if you're going to wrestle, you're going to have to defy your fear. You understand? You have to defy your fear. You're going to have to look at it. And because here's the deal, Ephesians 6.12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spirit, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this is more of a spiritual than a physical wrestling match. Amen. Right? Now, Samuel anointed David king. And David did not ride away in a black limo that day. It's like he walks up to, Jeff, uh, to Jesse's house and said, where's, where's your boy? He said, I got one more out there. He's the smallest one. I didn't think you'd want the runt, you know. But David runs in and uh, we went dead, you know. And uh, he says, well, we got to look at you, you know. And, and the Holy Spirit says to Samuel, that's the one. Don't look at his height. Don't look at his stature. God looks at the heart. And then he poured the anointing oil over him. And then, David, you know what he did after that? Okay. And he goes back out and takes care of the sheep. You see what I'm saying? Some of you think, well, you know, I have not come to my place yet in life. You need to receive your anointing right where you are. And some people say, well, how did David get qualified? He didn't go to king's school. He went to Goliath's school. Come on. He went to wilderness school. He went to being ostracized school. He went to loss of all of his friends school. He went to the whole government is against him school. Come on, you see what I'm saying? He went to all of that. And then he came out in Judah with him being declared and crowned the king. You see what I'm saying? There is going to be a fight, but you're going to win. And you're going to valid. You're going to come on. You're going to be validated by that. In Romans chapter 5 verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Come on. Don't allow your enemy to take away your anointing. Preach, Pastor Rick. There's going to be problems, but you're going to win. The erroneous perspective of people who are chronically discouraged is that they expect victory without difficulty. Oh, I should say that again, shouldn't I? The erroneous perspective of people who are chronically discouraged is that they expect victory without any difficulty. You expect, but God's given me victory. Yeah, but you're going to have to take your sword and your shield, and you're going to have to walk across the battlefield. You think the devil's just going to lay down. No, you're going to have to say, get behind me, Satan. And listen, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Under whose feet? Under your feet. Somebody shout amen. Would you do that? This, this does not seem so comforting, but look at 1 Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Why is this happening to me? Why me? But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. I didn't quit. 
I didn't give up. I didn't, come on, I didn't let go. It's a comforting statement because, yes, you will go through trouble, right? You know, the highest divorce rate is among young folks, you know, like 20, 25 years old, because they have these unrealistic expectations. We're married and we'll never have a battle. And your expectations are not met. You get married and you saw, you know, you saw a movie. And everybody just skipped off and held hands. And that was the end. Come on. Sometimes we watch way too much Disney. Listen. If, if marriage can be a battle, but don't get your eyes off the Lord. If you keep your mind on the Lord, you keep calling upon the Lord, you will win. When you decide that God has made a promise to you, move to the promised land. Don't move to the enemy's land. So now you see all these things that qualified David to be king. Grace is all about God. How many know that? Not about me. Not about me. I, I can't live in performance, though. I have to trust God in everything. But when problems happen, God is gracious, you have to trust Him. You say, well, if God was gracious, why would this happen to me? And God says, put your faith in me. Again, David is surrounded by Saul's army in Psalm 59 and 10. My God of mercy shall come to meet me, and God shall deliver me from my enemies. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to surrender. All right, i got to be finished. Everybody stand with me. Let me be done. Let's give thanks to the Lord for His word. I have one more, one more statement to make. Here we go. Remain faithful in the face of the conflict. Say it. Remain faithful in the face of the conflict. When should you remain faithful? Can I get an amen from somebody? So I'm going through a conflict. What is your task? How many have been in conflict and lost your faithfulness before? Anybody ever been there? It's like when you're in conflict, that's when you go, man, I got to do something. That's why the enemy's trick, the enemy's trick is to get you to surrender to your flesh in moments of conflict. And you end up medicating your flesh rather than building your faith. Right? Man, I'm having a really bad day. See what I'm saying? I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad day. I'm just going to go punch somebody. I'm just having a bad day. We've got to build our faith. Times like these. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble, there, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Now notice. Resist him by standing firm in the faith. How do you resist him? By being firm in the faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Anybody want that? Anybody need that promise? Come on, let's give thanks to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our prayer workers are coming.
All right? And uh, we're going to pray for you. And uh, so just get ready. Get ready to pray. You want to say? I can't hear them. Yeah? Baby, thank God I came. <laughs> she did. Yeah. She told me. Praise God, Edda. Yeah. I, I won't tell you all Edda's story, but if anybody in the house could just be totally discouraged. Let's praise God for that, for Edda. Let's praise the Lord. So, you've heard the word. Uh, bow your head for a moment. Let me ask this question. Who among you have been struggling greatly with discouragement? Wave at me. You've been struggling greatly with discouragement. There you are. There you are. We want to pray for you. Listen, there are also those of you that are struggling in your relationship with Jesus. It's like you know of Christ, but you're not living with Christ. You're not living for Christ. Today would be a great day to confirm your relationship with the Lord Jesus. All right? Perhaps you're with somebody. I mean, we come with one another. It's okay. Don't feel like you have to be silent. If you're standing next to somebody and you would like to help them at this moment, and you want to just put your arm around them, lean over, and say, do we need to pray? Would you like to pray today? They might just need somebody to walk down front with them. Okay? So these folks have prepared themselves to pray for you. Are you ready? I want you to start moving this way. Come quickly. Come quickly. Those of you lifted your hands, those of you in need, those of you struggling with discouragement, come on down. We welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. Come on. Just come right down. and We've got prayer workers. Lay your hand on somebody's shoulder nearby you, everyone else. All right, come on, come on down. If you're coming, just keep moving down to the front. Here we go. So, Father, we give you thanksgiving for your word today. And we bless one another and we ask God in your name. Heal the discouraged. Build our faith. Help us to stand strong in your word. Remind us to become cooperative with you. Conquer the discouragement that tries to control our lives, we pray. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Would you pray with somebody that you're nearby right now? Take a moment. Just pray for the person that's nearby you. After you finish, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. I bless you.